to Coco's latest bite. I'm Chef Arlene Coco, an entrepreneur, chef, and culinary instructor. Each episode, I will share with you my podcast, which is about all things food in my universe that are inspired by nature's bounty. It's your source of inspiration for recipes and stories, food travels, and new ingredients. It's a mashup of all things culinary and delicious. As a chef instructor, I try to teach methods and techniques instead of recipes. So a lot of my podcasts feature how to cook intuitively with what you have on hand. I like to call it fridge foraging. So come along with me, learn from my decades of work as a professional chef as I teach you new ways to get cooking and tell you about my latest bite. So we're going to continue our series on soups, and today we're going to talk about gumbos, specifically Louisiana gumbo. Well, I'm not sure if there's any other kind of gumbo besides Louisiana gumbo, because that's the only one I know and heard of, but I'm sure they make it in other parts of the world too. It's my favorite comfort food, so I can make it plant-based, or I can make it with meat, and I can make it with seafood. Um... I can make it a lot of different ways. They say there are as many recipes for gumbo as there are cooks in Louisiana. So I want to read this quote from a reader of a recent New York Times article about gumbo that I ran across. It said, it's been said that the only true gumbo is one your mama cooking growing up, which also explains why people hold very strong opinions. First time I had gumbo at a restaurant with tomatoes in it, I just about sent it back, and I can certainly relate to that. But gumbo, like almost all Cajun Creole cooking, is a history of poverty and struggle and making the best of what you have. So incorporating similar ingredients reflecting the poverty and struggle of other cultures sound like a great idea. Indian gumbo, Vietnamese gumbo, collard greens, they all sound amazing. So yes, I think the the best gumbo I ever had, of course, was my mama's. And she went through different versions of it throughout her cooking career while we were growing up. And I remember times during Lent dropping eggs in it. And recently I've seen people put whole boiled eggs in gumbo. And they said anytime there's a gravy, a boiled egg is is included. And that's for extra protein. So I like a traditional gumbo and I make all sorts of kinds of gumbos, like I said before, but the one I'm going to talk about today is going to be like my house version of gumbo, which would probably be a little different than your house version. And gumbo, you know, it's a changing scene in Louisiana. There's a diehard cooks that'll only make their traditional recipes, only make their mama's recipes, but chefs are experimenting with new ingredients to offer finicky food patrons in the Crescent City. Each each restaurant in New Orleans has a gumbo that they serve and they're very proud of, uh, depending on how dark the brew is, depending on what the base is made out of just depending on a lot of different things. There's even a store or a restaurant called the Gumbo Shop that's been around a long time, and it's actually expanded in other parts of Louisiana, and they are renowned for their gumbo as well. So my current gumbo 
is reminiscent of my mama's is it doesn't really have a roux. Now, this gumbo can be made with a roux, but for my purposes, I eat it for lunch, so I make mine without a roux. And it's really one of those things where you really don't need a recipe, but there is a recipe for a couple of kinds of gumbo on my website, arlenecoco.com, if you want to refer to an actual recipe. I say it's the state soup that cooks with jazz. You know, I think I agree with that. And you make gumbo with everything except red meat. For some reason, red meat is just not one of those things you put in gumbo. And I think that's because red meat is not really um, part of the culinary scene. I mean, there are steaks and there are dishes with red meat. But typically, the staple cuisines of Cajun food are pork, um, sausages, seafood, chicken, that sort of thing. And I think that there's like countless variations depending on the seasons. I've seen green gumbo with grumbo's herbs and that's for um, Lent that you'll see gumbo with herbs and there's just all sorts of gumbos. I keep they keep coming to my head and to my mind while I'm talking like oh yeah that's a good gumbo too. It freezes beautifully keeps up to three months in the freezer. So how you get going is Ordinarily, first you make your roux, but since I'm not going to make a roux, I don't really have to concern myself with that. But if you were going to make a roux for your gumbo, it would be equal parts of fat and flour. Typically, it's vegetable oil. I like to use avocado oil because it has a very high smoke point. And I've seen chefs get that avocado oil or that vegetable oil really hot, like smoking hot, and they throw that flour in there and they stir for all they're worth and it turns brown almost instantly. I don't recommend this technique if you are first starting out making gumbo. Just kind of do it slow, equal parts. It'll take you about 30 minutes to make it, but um, it'll be, you won't burn it because how do you know if you burnt your roux? There's little black flecks in it. And if it's burnt, it's game over. You have to pretty much start over. So making a room, there's also, um, there's, I'm sure there's a YouTube out there of me making room somewhere, um, on my webpage, but, um, you can make your room slowly and methodically and just take your time. You know, they used to say it was a one beer roux or a two beer roux. That's how long it took you to make the roux with if you drank one beer and it was done or two beers. So anyway, you can make your roux. There's lots of places you can buy roux, particularly in Louisiana. They sell it in a jar. My favorite is the Rougarou roux. And Rougarou is a Cajun mythical character, sort of like Bigfoot or Sasquatch in some areas. He's part of that myth of the character of the swamp. And um, he makes that company name makes a roux. That's good. You can also toast flour in the oven for about 350 degrees for about a half an hour. You occasionally, about every 10 minutes, stir it and it starts to turn brown. And you add, I like to do that if I'm going to thicken something and you could just keep it in your refrigerator. Pull it out, add it to your aromatics that you're sauteing and it will thicken your product with that darkened roux. Um, flavor. So that's how the roux works, um, but you don't need a roux. 
I start out with um, an onion and some celery and pepper and you know the aromatics rule is two parts onion, one part celery, and one part pepper and lots of garlic. I use two, a couple of tablespoons of fresh garlic and a half a gallon if I'm making gumbo. Um, and I use about a half a gallon of chicken stock, tablespoon or so of Italian seasoning, tablespoon or so of Cajun seasoning. It's really up to your taste. I mean, I just kind of, you know, add it in. And I like to add my seasonings, my Cajun seasoning, my Italian seasoning, which is basically my go-to for my Cajun dishes. And I teach my students to um, use that, that uh, ingredient as well. And I put it in with the onion, celery, and peppers to kind of bloom. If you put dry herbs and spices in when you're sauteing vegetables, then it really brings out the flavor. And I really like it. It kind of, the, the leaves start to soften and they start to what they call bloom. So you can continue and add your stock and get that going. So you have your aromatics in your stock. That's, you know, your basic soup. And if you're going to put roux in it, you'd have roux in it at that point too. Now, with gumbo, I typically make, and I only talk about how I make gumbo, because remember I said there's as many cooks as there are people, and uh, recipes as there are people that make gumbo in Louisiana. I tend to use boneless chicken breast or if I'm doing it plant-based, I'll do mock duck in a can and I'll just dice it up. But for a recipe today, I'm gonna to use boneless chicken breast. I dice it and I saute it a little bit just to brown it, you know, to give it some color. Now, my mother used to use whole pieces of chicken. She'd use thighs, she'd use legs, and she would just brown that and just throw it in the gumbo. You can use whole pieces with bone in. Um, you just want to cut them up fairly, you know, small, like in an eighth, like cut the chicken into eighths. Um, so, but I like to use boneless chicken breast too. I just dice it up. It's easy to get. I brown it. I throw it in the, in the gumbo. Then um, I maybe use, I'll use sausage and what I'll do with that is I'll just, I use turkey sausage a lot or I even use plant-based sausage. If I use anything plant-based, you don't put it in while it's cooking, you put it in at the end because the thing about plant-based meats is they have to be treated like vegetables. You have to remember that they can't be overcooked like vegetables or they'll fall apart. So you wanna put that in the end. However, if you're using a smoked sausage, if you can get real andouille, that's great. I like to use turkey sausage sometimes because it's a little lighter. I slice them in the coins. I also brown them and I throw them in the pot with the chicken. So now I've got my aromatics, my base, my stock, and I've got my chicken and my sausage. Um, then I'm going to work on my okra. So I use the frozen okra, just the sliced frozen okra, and I recommend the slice because the whole is You'd have to cut it up before you put it in, and that might be a little difficult if it's frozen. And you can thaw it, too. You can use it thawed. Um, so if you could only get whole okra, thaw it, and then chop it up. But the secret is you want to have chopped okra, right? So 
um, you take your okra and you put a little bit of oil in your pan. And this is the same skillet that, you know, and I use a black iron skillet for everything. And you use the same skillet for the browning the chicken, browning the sausage. You throw your okra in and you just kind of start cooking it. And you want to cook it slowly, mm, over medium heat maybe. And then until it starts to fall apart, right? So... Okra has this natural sugar, which some people call slime. It's kind of, it can be really sticky if it's not, if you don't prepare it right. But a chef taught me years ago to take a little bit of vinegar and put it in the okra, and that will dissipate the sugar, which is what it is, and not make it sticky anymore. So you're going to continue to cook your okra, and how you know it's ready to go in your gumbo is when it kind of starts to fall apart. And there's this, the sticky residue from it is kind of at the bottom of the pan. And the okra is kind of starting to fall apart and break apart. So the little seeds are, are falling out. That's when you want to throw it in your body of your gumbo. Because if you don't and you just put the frozen okra in the gumbo, you will have what we call slime bow. And we don't like slime bow because it doesn't taste very good and you'll only make that mistake once if you do it. So it always has to be cooked on the side. Now, I also, sometimes I put shrimp in my gumbo and that's at the very end, but I'll cook this. Now that I have my okra in, I'll taste it for seasonings. I like to add lamb perrin and Tabasco. That's kind of the two things in Louisiana cooking that people add quite a bit to their dishes. It's just kind of that flavor, gives it that Cajun flavor. And if you don't use a roux, you might have to use um, some sort of coloring agent if you want it darker, right? Some people like it dark, some people don't care. My mother used to use Kitchen Bouquet. It's a basically caramel color coloring and it adds uh, it's the same thing that's in like brown gravy mix but it's not there's no brown gravy in it it's just a darkening agent and it'll make your Cajun gumbo darker but you don't have to do it but the old school way is to do that so you're gonna let it cook for about an hour or so just let all those uh, flavors meld together. And then towards the end, you want to taste it and make sure it has enough salt. Make sure um, it has enough Tabasco to your liking. And then before I serve it, um, I chop up a whole bunch of fresh parsley and a bunch of green onions. And I chop them as small as I can, the green onions. Thin them as small as I can. And then I cook a big pot of rice, and I use brown rice. And the thing about serving gumbo with rice is you always want to serve it separate. You don't want to serve it, and you don't want to put the rice in the gumbo because it will absorb all the liquid, and you will just have like a pot of rice that tastes like gumbo. So you don't want to do more than a half a cup. Really, rice is just a garnish for the gumbo. And then you put um, the rice in the bowl first, and then you ladle the gumbo in, and then you have what we call filet. And filet is ground sassafras leaves, and they add sort of a, it's almost like sage, kind of a sagey flavor to it. But you add it at the table or right before you serve it. 
I have heard of recipes where people put filet in as a thickening agent. And I don't really do that because I only use a dusting of filet. And I think if you did it as a thickening agent, you'd have to use quite a bit of it. So, um, filet powder. And if you want another splash of Tabasco on it. Now, some people, this is really funny about gumbo in Louisiana. And I have this discussion every time I go down. And I see people in other parts of Louisiana. I grew up eating a baked sweet potato on the side of my gumbo because I think that was my family was from the region that used a lot of sweet potatoes. And I'll never forget my mother every year going to the sweet potato alley in Louisiana, going direct to the producer and picking out her sweet potatoes. She was an expert. She knew all the different varieties and they were used to seeing her every year. She'd buy a case and that will last um, her, um, for her and my dad all winter to have sweet potatoes with gumbo. Now other people like to have potato salad with their gumbo and I think these people are like from the southwest part of Louisiana. I'm not quite sure the actual region of the origin of these side dishes. And I've heard people just dropping potato salad, a scoop of it, in their gumbo. So you have that cool and you have that hot sensation. Well, I'm not from that camp. I'm from the sweet potato camp. And I find it interesting that we have all these rituals with gumbo, uh, things served on the side of gumbo that just make it extra special. It's really a special dish in Louisiana, and I love to eat it when I go down there. I eat it wherever I can. If there's a restaurant that specializes in it, I always order it, and um, I always have it on hand in my own freezer because I make a big pot of it. I make about a gallon at a time, and I portion it out, and I have it either for dinner, we'll have it for dinner, or I'll have it for lunch. So those are my... Um, thoughts and musings about gumbo and like I said check my website arlenecoco.com for recipes. I have a couple of different recipes for my gumbo um, on there and I hope you make some because you know Mardi Gras is coming up and gotta have Mardi Gras. I mean you gotta have gumbo for Mardi Gras right? So let the good times roll. Thanks for listening to this episode of Coco's Latest Bite. Want to reach me? It's easy to connect with me on my website, arlenecoco.com, A-R-L-E-N-E-C-O-C-O.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook, so please comment, like, and share with your friends. Now you'll find more information about each episode in the show notes, which will link back to the website and the blog. So don't miss it and have a great day.